Good afternoon, Christine Lakin. Welcome on VH Berries. Thank you so much for having me, Victor. I'm very excited. I am extremely grateful. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful, thank you. We are having a very uh, abnormally warm day for what is supposed to be fall in California. <laughs> but uh, no complaints here, just uh, you know, going with the flow, waiting to put on a sweater. <laughs> There is a very abnormal temperature in California right now and the sun is probably giving you this idea of going outside and I see you crossing the roads in the middle of West Riverside Drive. There are nine pedestrians crossing stripes behind you and eight zebras crossing stripes in front of you. That's right, Christine Lakin, you just crossed the Rubicon of the number of representation of Cindy and the disco ball, the musical. Oh, yes. I have been directing a show called Cindy and the Disco Ball. Um, it is a show that I performed in in 2005, and then we brought it back in 2009. And then last year, in 2022, the writer, Joseph Buery, uh asked me if I would come and co-direct it with him. So this is the new incarnation of this show that I have been a part of for so long. And we had such an amazing time directing it together last year. We thought, why not bring it back again this year? And so, yeah, we're, we just opened it a few weeks ago, and we are continuing to run at the Gary Marshall Theater in Toluca Lake, and it's been a real joy. It has been a real joy, Christine Lakin. And I just mentioned those numbers with the nine and eight stripes of uh, the crossroad uh, because there is a total of 17 representation and there are um, nine representation that already happened and eight left to go. And I feel that this is a sort of halftime moment. Oh, yes, definitely. That's very astute of you to think of. Uh, it is definitely a halftime moment in the show. Um, we have, we have, yeah, two more weekends to, to do some, some more excitement and some more magic on that stage and bring in young people and have them see theater for the first time. And I think that's my favorite part of all of it, because if you didn't grow up going to theater, sometimes you don't know about it and why it's so important and why it's such a unique experience to experience something live because there's no distraction around you. And I think that it's an old art form. And if we don't continue to educate young people about it, then, you know, it could die off. So I am, I am a very big fan of supporting the arts and of all forms of entertainment. So, so we got to get them there, Victor. We got to get the young people to the theater. 
Absolutely, Christine Lakin. This is an old form or art of art that needs to be supported. And this is half time, as we just mentioned. What would coach Christine Lakin say to the comedian and the players? Oh my gosh. You know, I I have said this before to actors and especially actors that are in this company, and I would say it again, and that is that um, this is our this is your shot. This is your time. We have done all the work and we've done all the choreography and we've done all the exploration of characters and blocking and costumes and wigs. And now is the time to play and connect with each other on stage, and to use the experience with the live audience to continue to play on stage, to play with the audience, to hone your skills of what that is to connect in a live format. I think theater makes actors of all kinds better actors for stage, better actors for film, better actors for television. Um, and I think it's it's just such an important part of being a well-rounded actor. So I would say use this time, remember these skills, um, because they will serve you well in the rest of your career. So this now it's for you. You, uh, you did everything I asked you to do, and now it's for you, and it's between you and the audience. <laughs> so have at it, because this is the best part. <laughs> remember all of those tips, and also, Remember the address of this theater um, located at <laughs> 4252 West Riverside Drive in the city of Burbank. Yes, that is the Gary Marshall Theater. You can't miss it because it's across from Bob's Big Boy. Do you know what that is, Bob's Big Boy? Have you ever heard of that? I haven't heard of that, but I saw that this uh, theater was located in front <laughs> of a spa, of a pizza restaurant, and also in front of a notorious coffee chain. Yes, and across the street from Bob's Big Boy, which is a, it is a historic <laughs> landmark in California. It's been there forever. And they still have old car shows on Fridays where people come with their old souped up cars from the 1950s and 60s and 70s. So, yeah, it is a it's a real throwback in time. It's a diner and it's, you know, it's been there. It's a, it's a landmark. People know it. It is a landmark, Christine Lakin. And I would love to discuss about uh, this piece of art called Cindy and the Disco Ball, the musical. Can you tell us a little bit more about the story and what is uh, this uh, live uh, musical about? Yes, of course. So Cindy and the Disco Ball is a 1970s retelling of the classic Cinderella story. So you have a girl named Cindy. She has uh, lost her mother and her father has married this, this new woman. And this woman has a daughter, the wicked stepsister. But in our, in our story, her name is Eleanor. 
And Eleanor is a fabulous artist, and she's a fabulous person, um, but she's sort of missed the mark when it comes to being a kind person. So she's sort of our wicked stepsister character, and the two of them have a lot of, you know, um, they're very adversarial in the beginning of the of the musical. And she makes Cindy clean up after her and makes her do all of her chores. So again, it like harkens back to many of the the tropes of the classic Cinderella story. Well, throughout the first act, we find out that Cindy wants to go and, you know, do something for the arts. The arts are getting taken away from their school. So she comes up with this great idea to do a big party. No, not a party, a ball, a disco ball. And they're going to raise money to help support the arts at school. And she gets one of the guys from the newspaper (laughs) uh, to write about it. And he's on her side and they're going to make it happen. Well, her wicked stepsister hears about the idea and takes it from her. And she's so upset, she decides not to go. And she's mopey, and she's sitting in her, you know, basement dark room at home. And because she's a, she loves to take pictures, and she's just, you know, she's really despondent. And who would show up? But instead of a fairy godmother, it's her soul sister, her magical soul sister, who is fabulous and cosmic, and not from this world or time. She's magic, and she comes and she helps Cindy find herself and gain confidence, and gives her a fabulous look and hair hairdo and the whole thing. And she ends up going to the ball. Um, And so that's sort of the evolution of how that story comes about. And then at the end, there's a lot of good resolutions. And we talk a lot about what it means to, you know, um, be a good person, what it means to, to say you're sorry, what it means to be an artist, what it means to do your own thing and to have confidence and to stand on your own two feet. So those are all the kind of themes in our story. We have original music and a live band, and the show is really for everyone. It's for families. It's for kids. It's for adults. Um, and it's, uh, it's been a, a lot of fun to put together. It's been a lot of fun to put together Christine Lakin. And you just mentioned that there are a lot of resolution at the end. And there are also a lot of good costumes made by Champagne Henson. Yes, Jessica, Champagne Henson has done an incredible job with these costumes. (laughs) They are so 70s, fabulous. Um, They are just really wild. And, you know, the fashion and the hair in the 70s was so different than it is now. And it's been really funny because our cast is quite young. Our cast is all in their 20s. And so to have them now putting on bell bottoms and, you know, a lot of these like clothes and, you know, um, hairdos and sideburns and all kinds of things and using old rotary phones, things that they've never seen or really used before because they didn't grow up with this stuff. So it's, it's been quite fun explaining the era to them. Absolutely. Christine Lakin, we can feel the Champagne Hansen costume signature. And to come back uh, to this project, if I understood correctly, this is your second year doing it. When did it all started and how did you got uh, into um, Cindy and the disco ball? So we've done, I have co-directed the project uh, for the last two years, but it started in 2005 with an audition. I got an audition from my agent to go in to play the title role of Cindy 
in this musical, Cindy and the Disco Ball. And I knew that it was a show for kids and it was at the Gary Marshall Theater and I had a friend that was working on it and I thought, well, I don't know, I guess I'll just go in and audition and see what happens. And from there, I got the role and I made friends with Joseph Wary and he and I became very close and we've been very good friends ever since. Um, And not only did I meet so many of my great friends through this theater, but I also met Gary Marshall and ended up working on many projects with him. And as you may know, Gary Marshall is a giant in television and film. Um, He directed movies like Pretty Woman and Overboard and Princess Diaries and Valentine's Day, among many others. And uh, he put me in several of his films um, and several of his stage productions. And really more than that, he really enveloped me into this family at this theater. Everyone who worked there from his daughter to Joe to people who came in and out to do shows, we really all became very, very close. And it's become a real home for me and for many other artists uh, to explore their craft and to do something different. And, you know, we've had a lot of a lot of labor issues going on with uh, in America with our, our strikes and our unions. And many of us have not been able to work in the kind of capacities we're used to. But the one thing we all still had was theater. And I think theater will always be the thing that I go back to whenever I need that boost of creativity or whenever I'm sort of stuck and can't figure out what's next or what to do with myself. That's always a place that makes me feel really safe. So that's that's the long story of it. But um, there's been lots of little projects in between. <laughs> You had a lot of projects in between Christine uh, Lakin and Gary Marshall trusted you and it was a little bit like your second home, uh, this uh, West uh, Riverside Drive uh, in Burbank. And I also believe that your directional instruction are as effective as the spike and span household cleaner package in Jasiana Garaballo shopping card. <laughs> yes, I think so. I mean, we have so many funny songs in Cindy and the Disco Ball and, you know, a whole song just about cleaning and all of the the cleaning supplies that they used in the 70s and just how funny some of the names used to be. So, yeah, there's lots of lots of throwbacks and they all made Gary laugh very hard when he was alive and saw the original productions. So I think he would be very honored that we were still doing it. He would love that we were still doing it together. Absolutely. Uh, Christine Lakin, I mentioned uh, this uh, product because it is a very effective one um, <laughs> in terms of cleaning and it was also a popular one in the uh, 70s and 80s. And I am wondering what you will be thinking on Sunday, October 29, at 5.45 p.m. when the big curtain will close. Oh my gosh, I'll probably, to be honest with you, I'm probably going to be thinking, where are the drinks? 
Where are the closing night drinks? <laughs> That's what I'm going to be thinking, Victor. Because in theater, you know, we always have a celebration for opening and we always have a celebration for closing. And there's usually some kind of drinks and snacks involved. <laughs> so that would be my first thought. And my second thought will be um, how proud I am of, the, of this um, production, how much I think it's been elevated in terms of the costumes, in terms of the cast. Um, how proud I am with the work that we've done this time around and certainly with the lighting and the music, everything. So, you know, every, every job I think you learn something from, and, uh, this one's been a great one to continue (laughs) just honing my skills as a director. I believe that those drinks at the end are not a very good sign for you, (laughs) uh, Christine Lakin, because... Because of those drinks, I can already see the skyline of Loving Lakin 2 oh, approaching yes. in the distance. <laughs> you never know, honestly. Uh, you never know. That could just be my next thing. It's not a bad idea. <laughs> It is not a bad idea, Christine Lakin, and I would love to discuss about uh, this mockumentary that you did um, at the beginning of your journey. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yes. So I was a child actor. Um, I was on a television show in the 90s called Step by Step. Uh, It starred Suzanne Somers, God rest her soul and Patrick Duffy, and a bunch of kids. And um, after that series ended, I had a wonderful time. And after that series ended, I went on to do lots of things in my career. But there was one point, at one point, I really wanted to, I really wanted to write. I really wanted to direct. I wanted to produce. I wanted to do all of these other things. And I couldn't figure out exactly how. So I took the thing that I knew best, which was being me. And I made up a persona that was not even based on me. It was a total joke of a, of a character of myself. And it was really about a girl who just couldn't leave her past behind. And I came up with this really silly idea to do a mockumentary about a girl who's making a grand comeback to Hollywood. And she thinks everyone remembers her, but clearly nobody does. And I had lots of famous friends come in and do episodes. (laughs) And it was just, everything was, you know, we had a script, but it was so much improv. (laughs) And I had so much fun making this. It was just a labor of love. And my friend had a documentary company and he had a bunch of cameras. And I said, I have a dumb idea. And he goes, great, because I'm tired of making something making documentaries about really deep and and troubling subjects and I want to do something funny. And I said, okay, well let's do it. So we just we just did it. It wasn't really, you know, we didn't plan that much. And then we edited it and we put it in a bunch of film festivals and then it won and then it got picked up by Hulu. And, you know, it was really the start for me of my, I think, creative career behind the scenes. And it led to a lot of things in the future that I never expected it would lead to. But it is it does make me laugh to this day. I think it's really silly and fun. And maybe just because I had such a good time doing it. 
you had an excellent time doing it, Christine Lakin. And for this mockumentary, you made up a persona and also a dedicated song with this very particular lyric. <laughs> if I were you, I would love me too. <laughs> It's so stupid. <laughs> but you know what's funny? The person who wrote, the two people that wrote that song, one of them is Joseph Leo Boeri, and the other one is Rachel Lawrence, and they both wrote the music for Cindy and the Disco Ball. I'm telling you, I met all of my best creative friends at this one particular time in my life. And they've all, we've all continued to work together. And I mean that, I said, I need a theme song. I need you two to write me a theme song. And they said, okay. And they just did it. And it was like, it was like no big deal. You know, we were all young and creative and hungry and just putting it all out there. And I think I look back on some of those times as some of the best creative times of my life. I learned a lot. Furthermore, Christine Lakin, would you say that by making, loving Lakin, it helps you as a former child actresses? Yeah, I mean, I, this is how I always view things in life. You know, if people are going to call you something. People were always going to call me a former child actor. That was who I was to a degree, but it's not who I felt I, I was later in life, but it's how people were, were going to remember me. So sometimes I feel like it's really helpful if you just own, if you can own what other people think about you. So for instance, like if all you're known for is doing action movies if you own that that persona of being this action movie star, then I think it gives you the power. And so that's kind of what I was trying to do. I was trying to show people that I was uh, that my comedy had evolved, that I was funny, that I was more than just a child actor by basically making fun of the fact that I had been a child actor. And I think to some degree it did work. You know, there were. There was a show that came about a few years after I did that. Um, there was a gentleman named Jimmy Fox who was wanted to produce a partially scripted comedy um, with several women from 90s television. And he approached me after seeing Love and Lakin and thought it was really funny and liked who I was. And we had a conversation. And then we had a few more conversations. And then he um, put a show together that I executive produced and starred in called Hollywood Darlings. So this was two or three years after Love and Lakin. It was myself, Jody Sweeten, and Beverly Mitchell. And we ended up pitching that show with Jimmy. And we sold it to, to Pop. And we did two seasons on Pop TV. And I think had it not been for Love and Lakin, I don't think that would have paved the way for the next thing. And I think every little job that I've done has in some way paved the way or opened a door. So, you know, I, I think we don't, as artists, we don't always know where the yeses will lead, but I do believe they pay dividends down the line. And I think it's really important, especially when you're, you're deciding to make something yourself and you want to take your career in your own hands. I think it's really important 
to give yourself that kind of confidence to go for it and not second guess because of a million reasons, right? I'm not, I wasn't making Love and Lakin to make a lot of money. I wasn't doing it for that. I was doing it because I thought it was funny and I thought it was fun and I thought maybe somebody else would too. We do not know Christine Lakin, where the yes are uh, taking us and we do know where laughing is taking us, which is nowhere according to your character in Loving Lakin, because she's saying, if you laugh, it means you hate animals. <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> she's not a very good acting teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but I did love making that episode. It was pretty funny. It was pretty silly. And it's probably not very PC. But, um, but you know, again, we had a, it was all just in pure farce. It's just a complete satire. So I hope people view it as such. Absolutely, Christine Lakin. We can agree that this is now officially the best a moment in the history of mockumentary. Can you tell us a little bit more about Christine trying to teach those children? Oh. So in this episode, uh, my character, Christine, tries to teach an acting class and she is so inappropriate um, with the tongue twisters, with the things she's making people say, with, you know, the scenes that she's giving, these young people scenes out of movies like The Accused and scenes from um, Raging Bull. <laughs> like, these are not movies that young children should be doing scenes from in an acting class. You know, she tells one of the girls that uh, we all need to know our types and... You just, need, you just need to look at yourself and know what you play. And she tells this young girl that she should basically be like a, a homeless prostitute. And that's, that's the only role she, she looks like she can play. Um, so a beggar woman, <laughs> things like this. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's the most silly. But um, it was partially scripted. And then we just had a lot of fun improv improvising with a lot of those kids. I don't know why their parents let them be in it, but, but they did. So I really appreciate that. Moreover, Christine Lakin, this specific teacher should reflect on herself by asking a very simple question. Who am I? Yes. As the character or are you asking me who am I? <laughs> I am making a transition to who am I? Oh, the movie! Which is a very recent short film that you directed. And from what I can hear, you are not remembering this title very well. No, now, now I get, I thought you were actually asking me that question. Yes, who am I? Of course, who am I? Um, who am I? A short film that I directed, uh, written by and starring Alex Ellis and P.D. Pablo, um, Grammy-nominated P.D. Pablo. He is a hip-hop and rap artist. Um, my friend Alex, uh, I've known her since back in 
back in the day, we both did a bunch of Broadway readings. I, she was a Broadway star. Uh, she came to L.A. We've been friends for a long time, and she has written and produced many things over the years and had this idea for a short film and asked me to direct it. So, and I did, and now it's in festivals uh, and continuing festivals all over the country. We premiered in New York at the Hip Hop Film Festival in Harlem in August of this summer. And um, the film really tackles mental health. Um, P.D. Pablo plays himself, and he's had a panic attack on stage, and he seeks therapy for the first time. And in doing so, he sort of uncovers a lot of things about his past and his, um, as the character, his reasons for maybe having made certain songs in the past that he's not really proud of today. And so he breaks that down with his therapist, and then she puts him under hypnosis. And in a kind of fever dream, um, he has a breakthrough mentally and re sort of wires his song, his old hip hop song into a big band jazz number. And so we had a lot of fun with uh, sort of turning that song Freak a Leak, which is quite well known uh, from the 90s on its head and creating a new version of that. Um, and he's in a tux and she shows up as the therapist, but she shows up in a, you know, a um, dance shoes and a, and a flowy skirt and the two of them dance the night away like a, you know, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers style. Um, so it was a, it was a really ambitious couple of days of filming. Um, but it was a really cool concept and I was really excited to helm it. So now it's off, off and running and we're getting really positive feedback, um, especially with, uh, highlighting mental health and normalizing therapy. Absolutely. Christine Lakin. And in addition of being a film director, you are also a choreographer, especially in Who Am I? Because I feel that those transition and the power and the intention uh, behind how one move flows into the next is something that is very crucial for you. And I would love to know more about how you create those uh, seamless transition uh, that can make the result extremely um, satisfying to watch. Yes, I think that's, that's a very astute observation. Um, I have been a dancer and a choreo choreographer for much of my career. In fact, that's where I started before I started directing. And I think there's a real crossover between people who choreograph and direct. There's, there's a few of us that do both. But I think I look at everything, even if it's a scene that has no dance in it, I look at everything in that scene as a choreographer. I look at the way people's bodies move. I look at negative space in the frame. I look at... Um, at, uh, I, I think as an actor about what motivates people to walk around a room. Um, I always want to see movement. I, two people standing in static and talking is not that interesting on camera. So I'm always trying to figure out ways to move people around the space in an interesting way. And then when you add the element of choreography to it, it really becomes so much for me about how can I make the camera capture 
the excitement of what I feel this piece deserves. So what can I do with the camera to enhance the moves that are already happening? How can I think of three or four ways to capture this that I can cut together in the edit to show different sides of it? Because in a stage production, there's only one side and that's from our eyes. But when, when you're filming something, you can shoot it from multiple different angles, high, low, moving, steady cam, whatever it may be. And you have to think like sort of about what you want that edit to look like and what is the best way to, to capture that movement with the camera in addition to the movement that you're seeing. So, um, you know, I think it's every, every, uh, every job's a little different in terms of what you have to play with. I mean, when you have all the money and the time in the world, <laughs> um, then you have all the options. And when you don't have all the money and all the time, then maybe you have to pick your best ones. And that's, that's usually what ends up happening. But I think it is, um, I think it is really helpful uh, to have a director who understands that kind, of, that kind of style and what goes into making choreography on certain bodies look good. Because that's that's a feat in, unto itself at times. It is a feat in uh, <laughs> into that uh, space and <laughs> in conclusion, enhancing the move, the movement, and also preparing, loving, liking two and three. Thank you very much, Christine Lakin. Thank you so much, Victor, for having me. This was a real hoot. <laughs>